0: good morning wow i love you so much it's i'm glad it cooled off a little bit but i just i was driving here and i was i saw pete uh, putting out the cones and, and things in the parking area and i thought to myself again as i do so often lord who's more faithful here lord who's more valuable to you i mean it just it just comes to me like a wave and it dawns on me that just we all have a part nobody's better than the other no one's more important and so and i i thanked him for doing the cones you know i says you know it's raining out here be you know be careful you know you're like a mom or something you know i don't know and and he says oh he says i enjoy this i i i long to do this and then another person came in and said man don't you like it when it when it rains it just cools it off and truthfully i do like it when it rains but uh I just hope it was okay for you. Just be careful driving, because you know how the streets get real slippery, you know, oil all over and all that. You know, I tell my wife and kids this, so I'm going to say it to you. Anyways, I love you so much. We are in a place in Scripture. If you would please turn with me to Acts chapter 5. Last week, we came upon a very difficult place in Scripture. Insofar as, uh, I love you. Tell him I love him so much. Yeah, I love you so much, Ollie. We came to a place in Scripture that was difficult because uh, we saw two people uh, who could have been friends of ours, you know, in church. You know, two people that for whatever reason they get caught up in, in what they saw happen with Barnabas and then all of a sudden there's this comparison. I want to be like him. Oh, people like him more because he's more spiritual. Whatever they went through emotionally, it could have been any of us could have been any of us and so my heart went out to these two people i do i do uh, um you know i just i feel sorry for them in a sense um and so the difficulty of that part in scripture is that the hypocrisy of their lives overflowed into the church as we taught last week and as i've taught over and over again the lord does not care for nor does he want your money he wants to bless you just as he doesn't care for nor does he want your talent your gift he gives them to us so that we'll use them just like any parent would give to a child and and we would be disappointed if our children if, if we saw something in our child and we saw something in them that, that just is dynamic and yet they don't move out in it it would just break our hearts it would it, it doesn't mean we don't love them it, it doesn't mean any of that things it just means that they're missing out on so many what blessings they're just missing out on so many blessings And and that's the the whole idea. As we mentioned before, it wasn't that the Lord needed nor wanted their money. What the Lord wanted to do was to bless them. And so our faithfulness to Him causes our blessings. It's, It's the cycle of giving that our Lord does. He has up here all that He wants to pour out upon our lives. And He gives us some... And we take what he gives us and we say, thank you, Lord. And we take a portion of that, whatever portion you and I are willing to take and give, and we give it back to him, whether it be your talent, whether it be your gift, your spiritual gift, whether it be your finances, it doesn't matter. We take a portion of that and we give back to him. And so he then turns, gives back to us. And so the cycle of giving goes. And we learned, as we did last week, that if we're faithful, if we will sow bountifully, we'll reap bountifully. And if we sow sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. It's just a, it's just a statement in the Word of God to, to allow us to know how God functions in and through our lives. With that said, last week was difficult for me because I felt so sorry for, for Ananias and Sapphira. Number one, it would have been good if it was said a man and his wife. We wouldn't have known their names, you know. But now, well, we won't know through heaven because that'll be all done with. That's forgive me, I'm running off. I'm running off. But the point is, is that the Lord wants no hypocrisy within his church. And that's where we're taking off this week. Watch. Isn't it interesting? I would even use the word miraculous and marvelous how the Word of God ministers and how when we study it as we do it takes shape and it takes form and we can see how he God is building the church and this place in scripture is very important to us I think specifically to the Rock Community Church I say it's important to us because it is the very essence of what we want to establish this church upon. And that is the word of God and the promises of God and the order that God gave to us. We have no real hidden agenda. We will tell you everything we want to do. And we have no really huge programs out there, although I think in time... The Lord will bring us more and more our way that we will build upon as He sees fit in through our lives. So, what the Lord wants to do is to build a church that is, as it said in chapter two or four. Right now, I, I forgot because I didn't want. I, I'm just, I'm just going with you for a moment. He wants a church that is continually devoted. That's chapter four. Uh, chapter that's an axe he wants a church he wants a church that is continually devoted chapter 4 verse 42 continually devoted to the things of god he wants us to be devoted to the teaching of the apostles to fellowship with one another to communion and to prayer but what he wants within every church is a church that is committed to him he doesn't want people that are hypocritical he doesn't want people who are on the fence and so the church the lord asks us you and me to keep it pure you keep yourself pure i try to keep myself pure and we also help each other keep ourselves pure and holy before the lord then the lord will do miraculous things now we're seeing that i want to make one announcement before i get into acts chapter five on the foyer walls and throughout the building here there are plaques if you haven't noticed them i would encourage you to go and notice them after the service on the plaques are written certain gifts certain things that someone doesn't mention anyone's name but someone has done so as to establish this place. We want you to know there are there are people who, for instance, have paved our parking area, didn't even charge us as a church, did it. Families that did it. Others that marked and striped our parking area didn't charge us for it, did it out of the kindness of their heart. There is a person that donates our plants, takes care of them, doesn't charge us for them. People who did things in the children's department, uh, the, the their uh, tables and chairs and stuff like that, and put things in there and the toys and the things that they're gonna need, didn't charge. Some charged us at their cost. Gave, they gave, people gave as they were able to give to help us build this church. And so I would encourage you after the service to go and take a look at some of those plaques and see what what god has done through the wonderful people of this church i'm going to send each of us a letter in a a week or so with an an update regarding our building you see we didn't go over budget we did a little but we didn't go over budget a lot in in this is that was that stupid to say yeah we didn't. We didn't. We 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 were really close, um, and and our dream is to finish to complete phase one and then move into phase two where we're going to do the multi-purpose room where we'll be able to have women uh, meeting rooms for adults to meet in and also for the men's uh, Wednesday morning uh, prayer breakfast. We'll meet here and have breakfast here. It's it's a dream of ours, and so we, I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you what needs to be done to complete. Like for instance, one last night, a gentleman was sitting right there, came up to me afterwards and he says, whatever it costs, Fred, you might be interested in this. He said, whatever it costs, he, he says, I will purchase you uh, one of those microphones that, fits, that comes like here. He says, cause when you turn your head, he says, I, I, I missed some words. I didn't ask for anybody to get us a microphone, but the Lord placed that on his heart. And I said to him, I don't know that that's what we need. But if it's a desire of your heart, go speak to Fred. Go speak to someone in the sound department, because that's not my call. Uh, that would be their call. But it's it's just things like that. Uh, as people see fit, they are uh, doing whatever it takes to help to build us this, this church that we have. And so I thank you. We all thank you from the very bottom of our hearts. Um, so make sure you take a look at some of those um, signs out there in the foyer and And uh, when you do, there will be no name there who did it. But if you would ask God to bless them, I didn't expect this. If you would ask God to bless them, that would be kind. Because um, I know there's a person in this church that gave an amazing amount of money, wants to give an amazing amount more. Um, But the stipulation was I, I I was not even to tell staff. I wasn't to tell anyone uh, their name. And so, we'll be faithful to you, and we'll be faithful to that. Acts chapter 5. Read with me, please, what takes place. It's such an interesting place in the Word of God. If you look at verse 11, we we covered verse 11 last week, but I, I want to just backtrack a little bit. Ananias and Sapphira both dropped dead. They buried them. And it says in verse 11, A great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. At the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. And all the more, believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number, to such an extent that they were even carrying the sick out into the streets, laid them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. And also the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits And they were all being healed. What you'll note from this is that all of a sudden the word is spreading. Just as our Lord asked them, take the message into the outermost parts of the earth. And so that is what is in the process of happening. People now from the vicinity outside of the of the area of Jerusalem were hearing what's going on and they started bringing their sick and afflicted so as to be cared for remember the only reason that the miracles were happening of the afflicted being cured healed was so that the gospel would go out and as a result we see multitudes of men and women being added to their number. So much so that Dr. McGee writes in his commentary, in Acts chapter 4, in verse 4, is the last time that they mention a specific number. As a matter of fact, it isn't even a specific number, it is a number said of, there were uh, about 5,000 men that believed, not counting women, not counting children. After this, Acts chapter 4, verse 4. From now on, the numbers are just multitudes. Large numbers. The, the body was increasing. Dr. McGee says, it's just a matter of years that there is about 3 million Christians in and around the world At what had happened here. I, I leave... I, I have um, no hidden agenda to you in this. It is my desire that everyone and anyone that we can will come to Christ. Whether it's in this building or in another building, whether it's here or elsewhere, that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that people will come to Christ. Last night after the service, and you'll be a judge of that, um, a a person came to me. I won't tell you what, I'll try not to tell you what, uh, you know, male or female. Um, And this person said... um, I've been a hypocrite. And I want to stop fooling around. And over there in that third row, he prayed. they prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It was the most tender and most precious moment. It was the most tender and precious moment. <clears throat> to see a person all of a sudden grasp What not I'm saying, but what is the Lord saying to their heart? It was a very uh, tender moment for me. Um, That's what we want to see happen more. That's what the Lord wants to see happen in and through our lives, in and through this church. Now let's pray. Father, we want to pray for uh, a number of things. Number one, I want to pray, Father, that, uh, that we be quick to praise your holy and righteous name, and that we would be quick, Father, to give you praise for who you are, and thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being our God and for revealing yourself to us. And then, Father, I want to thank you for those in this church that uh, caught the vision of what you might want to be done through us by helping either by, by doing chores and, and giving of their time and energy. Uh, uh, I think of Harold who, who prayed for this place every day. He'd walk around the outskirts of this building before we were in here just praying for it. I think of others who uh, uh, just donated things, Father, to help. And each one is a blessing to you. And therefore, each one is a blessing to us. I myself, Father... Uh, in case anyone's curious, I don't know all the names of those that gave either. Um, and I feel it's okay. I, I don't particularly want to know. I just want to thank you for them. And then, Father, lastly, we'd like to pray for your blessing upon this, your word that we just read. It is, it is our desire, Father, that I would move out of a way, that, that we would not see me so much, but rather hear from you as this young person did um, last night and respond to your call to their lives to come to know your son. And so move me out of the way, Father. But what I would ask, Father, is that you would open up our eyes and our hearts and our minds that we might behold the most wonderful of things, and that is the very glory of your word, that we might behold these things Father, are so important to us. Some of us understand the importance of us. Others are just learning. And so, Father, may we, Father, catch what you would want for us. Now, bless this time in your word, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Even though, in Acts chapter 5, the word must have spread like wildfire about Ananias and Sapphira, Nonetheless, people were still flocking to come and hear the apostles preach boldly. And because of the gift of healing that the Lord God gave to them, large crowds started to grow, started to gather so as to hear the word. They now were coming, as we just read in in verse 16, from vicinities outside of the area of Jerusalem, coming to hear, coming to hear. To find out. Again, coming to be healed. Some of them wanting miracles. But the miracles were the authority that was given validity to the message. Therefore, the gospel was spreading. What it was, was a direct answer to prayer of these dear people. Remember in in Acts chapter 4? Look at at Acts chapter 4 for just a moment. Remember, they were persecuted, the apostles were. When they came back, as I said to you over and over again, they did not pray that the persecution would stop. They simply prayed for the boldness, the confidence to do what God called them to do. Look at verse 29 of chapter 4. They say, Now, Lord, take note of their threats. In other words, here's what's being said to us but don't stop it in other words they're not asking for them to stop the threats they're asking grant the rest of verse 29 grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence in spite of the persecution grant that we still have the confidence and they say also verse 30 extend your hand to heal through signs and wonders Taking place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's what they prayed for. And what they prayed for, God allowed them to have. God granted the apostles power to perform miraculous signs and wonders in the community in which they lived. Miracles were given by God, but they were administrated through the apostles, and you'll note only the apostles. It wasn't like everybody in the church had the ability to heal or to do a miracle. It was the apostles that did it. God used them so as to verify His Word. Today, He uses this and us to verify who He is so that we can share that with others. Now, you and I can know for certain that these healings were not A random act of kindness from a very loving God. Rather, these miracles intended to convince the people of the credibility of the church that was beginning. And I'm going to show you why. Why all of them got healed? It was because so that no one felt that they were left out. To miss on a person would have missed on the validity or the authority of their word. And so God healed all of them, everyone that came in contact with the apostles. And because of that, we see people after people after people coming to Jesus Christ here in the book of Acts. As I said to you already, so many that they stopped numbering them. In Acts chapter 5 verse 14, as we just read, we see multitudes of men and women were added to their number. You don't need to turn there, but in Acts chapter 6, it says the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly. We don't know how many, just that they increased greatly. And the church started to just grow. And in Acts chapter 11, to confirm that this is an ongoing thing, it says a large number who believed turned to the Lord. This took place in Antioch as they moved out. Now, in verse 13, it's verses 13, 14, 15, and 16 are absolutely amazing verses. And they're going to challenge you and me. Luke presents in verse 13 a, a paradoxical truth. Note what he says. After you've seen, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm reminding you what took place. After what happened to Ananias and Sapphira, and as it said in verse 11, there became a fear within the congregation and also the people outside of the congregation so it is said then in verse 13 none of the rest the rest there are unbelievers none of the unbelievers dared to even associate with them meaning the believers or the church now that's a that's an amazing statement and i don't know about you but when i read that my first response was why why did they not dare it's so logical. You'll see. Yet, even though they did not dare to associate with them, they still held the people, the followers of Jesus Christ, they held them, it says in verse 13, in high esteem. In other words, they looked upon them as, whoa, these people are are something else, but I'm not going to hang with them. Without question, folks, the unbelievers had a great respect For the church. Great respect for the church. They respected the power that they saw. That God displayed through the apostles. But underneath their respect for the church. Watch this now. They had a fear. And their fear was. If I join that church. Something might happen to me. That happened to Ananias. Some lady might say, if I join this church, I've got some secrets in here that I don't know that anyone knows. And I don't want to be like Sapphira and drop dead just because Peter says, I know what's in your heart. Their fear was that they could be severely judged if they joined in with the rest of the church. That was the problem. They didn't dare to associate because they didn't want their sins to be confronted, but they had a great respect for it this church and I will tell you straight up I am praying I am praying so hard for you I love you so much I want this church to be like this I want our church to be like this church but for us to be like this church there has to be unity within the four walls there has to be a common love for one another there has to be the ability that we are pure in our desire for what do we want to do with this our church The swift judgment that fell upon Ananias and Sapphira more than likely kept those who were half-hearted, those who were uncommitted from joining in with the church. You see, what they didn't know and what they learned, because you're going to see in a moment, a lot of them came, a lot of them joined. But you see, the practice of Peter was passed down to him from jesus christ from jesus and john the baptist from all preachers there is there ought to be an insistence upon any of us to have the privilege of standing up here to say to those of us who are out there there has to be an insistence that we ask for our congregation to repent there must be a call to repentance Because repentance is in other words repentance is just a turning around it's a i'm going in this direction and god's back here and i'm kind of creeping this way a little bit and hopefully someone sees me and calls me to repent and that means to turn and come towards my lord that's repentance to deal with whatever is it is that is taking me away from the lord and bringing me back towards him and that has been a call upon every preacher everybody who teaches the word of god That has been an insistence upon us from the Lord himself, through John the Baptist, through the apostles, and now we have that. You see, to deal with our sin, your sin and my sin, will only help to build a pure church. But most people don't want to rush in and join a church that exposes them of their sin. You see, an uncompromising church that confronts you and me with our sin and calls us to repentance is a church that will have a tendency to keep those who are shallow and merely curious away from our four walls Well i love you so much you people are committed you have told me almost to a a person you have told me thank you for teaching the bible as you do Thank you for allowing us to go through the Bible. Thank you for not giving us your opinions, but as best you know how, thank you for teaching us about what Jesus has to say rather than what you think he has to say. And I try that with all of my heart. But a church that does what we do will be hard to find large crowds. I know that's a contradiction, but I'm going to tell you why. Verse 13 No one dared to associate with them. That is simply a reference to the fact that no more hypocrites or pretenders dared to join the church after seeing what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Do you remember what Jesus did? Always, 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 always. Jesus was not in the whole idea of bringing people who were not committed to his church. He does not necessarily want those of us who are hypocrites. That's why what happened to Ananias and Sapphira happened so quickly. To teach the young church, the new church, and to teach us that Jesus Christ does not want hypocrites in the church. He wants a pure church. Because it's a pure church that will reach the community. Remember what Jesus did, and you don't have to turn there, in Matthew chapter 19... There was a rich young ruler. A wonderful story. He basically says, what must I do to be saved? The Lord says, this is what you need to do. Do this, 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 and this. And he says, I've done all these things. And so what the Lord say to him? Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and do what? Follow me. Whew. It says that that rich young ruler walked away grieved in his heart. What, what our Lord was teaching him wasn't so much he needed his money, but he was teaching him that there was something that was separating him from following the Lord. What that teaches you and me is, the Lord wants pure people who want to follow him no matter the cost. Turn with me, please. Hold your place here in Acts. Turn with me to John chapter 6. Marvelous place in the Word of God. John chapter 6. Jesus was teaching... And in verse 60 of John chapter 6, when his disciples, when it says his disciples here, it doesn't mean those that are committed to him, those that were just, there were those that were looky loos that were following the Lord. They, they had not made a commitment to him. Many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to this? But Jesus in verse 61, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? What then if you should behold the Son of man a setting where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you, their spirit, their life. that's why you and I need to preach the word of God. That's what brings life. that's what brings spirit to us. But look, verse 64, there are some of you who do not believe yet they were called disciples. they were not truly followers of his yet. He knew their hearts. There are some of you, he says, who do not yet believe. Because, it says in verse 64, after that, Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe in him and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying this, for this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him but the Father. As a result of this, in verse 66, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Now, what is interesting about this is that Jesus Christ, when the rich young ruler walked away grieved, he didn't run after him and said, wait, 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 come on back, I don't want your money. let Let me change what I've said to you. No, he didn't. He allowed this rich young ruler to walk away grieved. And as you'll note in this story, when these people are withdrawing, are stopping, following him, he doesn't run after them and say, wait, 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 wait. Let's talk this over. He lets them go because he wants a church, he wants followers of his that are pure. So he goes to his 12, verse 67, the the 12 disciples, knowing that one of them was going to fall away, Judas. But he says you do not want to go away also do you now wouldn't you want to have been peter peter looks the lord in his eyes and says to him lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the holy one of god what a great statement the point of all of that is is that jesus christ did not run after those that have left him He stayed with those who were committed to him. That's the truth of the church. For this church to be everything that God wants it to be, we need to purify ourselves. We need to be right before God. Let me share with you something. Please back to Acts chapter uh, 5. Persecution always had a tendency to separate people. Always, 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 always. Persecution took those who were curious and moved them away from those who were committed. Persecution will take those who are fakers and, and, and display those who are true followers. Persecution will take those who are make believers and show us who are true believers. Persecution has that tendency. You know what's sad today in churches across the, the United States of America today? And this is, I came to a great realization. This I've been harping at you, and I've come to realize this is not my song alone. This is being said by some of the finer, I I, I hesitate because I don't want to put myself in the class of some of these people. But these are are words that are being said by, by godly, godly pastors. Churches and pastors today who purposely will not make sin an issue within their four walls so as to attract crowds. And therefore attract people who end up being shallow in their faith, if in fact they have faith at all. Because until you and I deal with our sin, until we see ourselves as sinners and repent from our sin, we've never really truly become believers and followers of Christ. But there is a there is an upgrade in this, and what our Lord is asking is is for us to not simply be followers, but be committed, to be devoted to. To the things of God. See what would happen though to a true church. Look at verse 14. It happens to churches who wish to deal with the truth of God's word. Because of God's perfect timing. People will come to believe. But it will be people who wish to be serious about their faith. When the church is preaching the true gospel. You will reach people who are serious about what they want to believe in. Not just playing church, but becoming a true follower of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 14. It says, and all the more, note, all the more believers in the Lord came. It says, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. Just as it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the Lord says they were finding favor. The church was finding favor in Jerusalem. And it says the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who are being saved. If you and I, if we continue to prevail, if we continue to teach and learn and study the Word of God, He will add to His church people who are serious serious about their faith. Now I want you to listen to me very closely. Perhaps you don't see the, the reason for you and me to be serious about our faith right now. Because let's face it, most of us don't have to go through persecution about our faith today. But when that day comes, and come it will, in fact, it, it's curious to look around this world in which we live today, and have and not take note of what's going on is this near the end times now i know that almost every generation said these same things but look what's happening in the middle east look what's happening across the world how terrorism has 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 shot a fear through people because it's no longer an army that invades it could be Five or six men who have a desire to just kill themselves and anyone else. We live in very terrible times. But for the most part, most of us don't don't go through persecution. But there will come a day when you and I will have to be committed to our faith. It'll be that day, whenever it comes that our learning about our Lord now will pay dividends. It'll be that day then that you and I will finally understand our desperate need for knowing God's Word now. And this is the sad truth. If you put your commitment to Jesus Christ off today, tomorrow could be too late. You know one of the best things ever happened to me in my faith? Happened to me as a youngster, Not a young man. I I was 30-some years old. 34. I came to Christ. I was as serious as a heart attack. I came to Christ and I meant it. I wanted Jesus Christ. And I told you this story before. I'll say it again. My best friend kicked me out of his place and said, I don't ever want to see you again. And there were were a few things that were important to me in my life. Number one was I, I loved what I did. I played baseball for a living. I mean, that's like stealing money. I, I enjoyed every second of it. I, uh, I, I loved playing baseball. The second thing that I loved in my life was my parents and my family. I had a small family, but I had perhaps the finest father and finest mother that any person could have ever been blessed with. I know you feel the same. But I, I hope you do. But I certainly do. I, I was blessed. But my, my parents didn't teach me anything about Christianity and didn't teach me anything about, about God or the Bible, but they were the most, they were just nice people. They were just nice people, and I loved that. And I also had a love for friends. I had a few friends, and I was loyal to my friends. And so when my friend asked me to get out of his life, my very best friend, and said, I don't want to ever see you again, and when I left this place, Walking down, it was in Hawaii. When I left this place and I was walking down the Alawai, and I remember it, I remember it vividly to this day. I remember the, the Alawai was to the right. I was walking this way, my place was over there and I was thinking to myself, now what do I do? I don't have a friend. And out of here, out of somewhere in here came these words. True as, they rang as true as could be. It wasn't audible, but it might as well have been. And I said, Lord, if it's just you and me the rest of my life, that'll be enough. Somewhere in my heart, not to be unkind, I hope and pray that each of you have to make a decision like that one day. Because that has carried me through some very deep waters deep deep waters knowing that that was the very essence of who i am am i committed to the lord i'm here to say to you i am so committed to him i so want to serve the lord i don't want to retire i want you to listen to the words of a commentary that i read by a at this place in scripture not knowing I respect this bi- this person so much. His name is Dr. John MacArthur. I respect him so much. Listen to what he writes about this place in Acts. What it was doing was confirming that what I was saying to you is on track. He says, An uncompromising commitment to holiness is what characterized these true believers in Acts, bringing to the church a belief that sprang out of a deep, love of Jesus Christ he says concerning uh, um, verse 13 and 14 fear he said kept those who loved their sin away where on the other hand those who desired the forgiveness of their sins brought them near to the church those who came near he writes stood in sharp contrast to the masses of uncommitted even unsaved people that feel comfortable in churches that we have today. Gathering around, he says, pastors who will not preach a repentance for sin. That's his words. I was saying this. It made me feel so good. Gathering themselves around pastors who will not preach a repentance from their sins. A failure of a church to preach holy living and to discipline those who do not live a holy life allows sinners and hypocrites to remain in the church, convoluting its direction, sapping its power, robbing it of its purity, and marring its testimony. He goes on to say, Men may build their churches with a tolerance for sin, but the Lord will always build His church among people who love holiness and will deal With their sin. What Jesus wants, he writes, are people who are totally committed to him. Those who are willing to forsake all, lose their lives in submission to him. Those are the ones who are worthy, he writes, to be called his followers. A church, he says, made up of such people will be a pure church with a powerful testimony to the world. When Jesus told his disciples that they were to follow him, he says, you are to love me more than you do your mom or your dad. You're to love me more than you do your wife or your husband. You're to love me with all your heart. Now, he says that knowing that if you and I can love him that much, we will have then, therefore, more love for our parents, more love for our children, more love for our husband and or our wife. You cannot overdose in your love for Jesus Christ. As your commitment to him grows, so will your love for other people grow. But in comparison, we're to love him first. And so when I walked away from that time saying, Lord, if it's just you and me, the rest of my life, that will be sufficient. It will be enough. It was, in essence, the, the, my finest hour. Do you know why, now I'm going to talk to you from my heart to yours. Do you know why that we so desire here at this church to teach you and your children about Jesus Christ? I'll tell you why. I know exactly why. Because when they go off to school, whether it be high school or college, or you, when you have to leave this area and you go to another area because of work, you'll know what is truth and what is not true. You'll know exactly what you believe, and you will not be moved away from your faith. There are people, I have had people, who moved away, couldn't find a church, moved back, took a lower job so as they could be in the church just to hear the Word of God being taught. I've had that happen. When you and I teach ourselves and our children to stand strong in what they believe against the onslaught,